0: Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, it's episode 122. The Matildas, well they bowed out to a classy English outfit and they didn't even need to change the ball. We've got Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A and nobody's favourite league. And the big question everybody's asking this week, who is the most punchable bloke in the Prem and why is it Bruno Fernandes? All right, joining me once again on Australia's Longest Running Football Podcast, I've got Tommy here, say hello mate. Hello, probably. 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 We don't know, we're just going to keep saying it. Uh, And all of you should say it, all of the listeners should say it as well, tell everyone. Uh, Cooper also joins me, how you doing man?
1: Yeah, very good, another night on the Longest Running Football Podcast in Australia.
0: Yeah, that's the spirit, let everyone know, say it, say it. Uh, What's the, you know, stupid things that young people say these days? Like, again, for the people at the back. Something like that. Um, (laughs) The version of. We've got plenty to get through tonight. Uh, So much has happened. Uh, All the leagues are back. Um, There was Matildas. There's been a World Cup final. Uh, All the European leagues are now underway. Um, To start with, though, I just want to introduce both of you and myself. We've each been um, issued with our own night shift therapy card, uh, which you may use at any point throughout the pod um, where you feel like you need to vent. You can lay down on the night shift couch for 30 seconds or so. You'll hear the chimes, the calming chimes, and um, you can vent. You can reconcile with something in the game or get something off your chest and really let it out, all right? So feel free to use that whenever you like. Um, can I use mine right now? Would you like to use yours straight away?
2: Right now. I tell you what, the two co-hosts I have on this pod, fuck me. I could just, I could write a book. Mm. the amount of times you guys have let me down. Mm. Is that what it's for?
0: I mean, I feel like this is something you could have, you could have had this conversation with us off air. I feel I'm like that would my have been actual, the, my actual that, therapist. That would have been the polite thing to do or with an actual therapist, which I suggest you do seek out now. Yeah. Especially you and, having you and all of my ex-girlfriends, especially having watched you um, do these zoom calls on our podcast, sitting naked in front of your, computer camera just for all to see all right G- gyrating i can't perform unless i'm naked <laughs> naked. let's get into some football all right i'm gonna need about 10 therapy cards after this opening chat let's go straight into the matildas we'll wind it all the way back to wednesday night um of course semi-final there was so much hype about it uh tommy were we were we outclassed? Were we just not quite good enough for these guys or or these no. girls? Or, um, you know, what's the, what's the case here? What's going on? I didn't personally think it was class factor.
2: I thought that there was two main reasons that we lost. There was the tactical setup of both managers. Uh, one clearly more superior than the other one. Uh, I guess you can guess which one. Uh, the other one was the physicality <laughs> of the game. Yeah, which is I think was maybe the main thing. And there's obviously there's heaps of chat about all of the fouls that were committed uh, early in the game by the English players on Sam Kerr and Etal. That's not the physicality I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the challenge, in headers, winning second balls, yeah. um, even just general movement from set pieces and stuff. We were we were minnowed in that respect.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, just like bringing the heat kind of thing. You know, mm,
2: and we don't we don't have that mongrel in us, do we?
0: No, it was it was really lacking. Um it was pretty noticeable as well early on. And I know the commentary team at half time were a bit upset and sounded very biased. They were talking about the referee losing control and not giving enough yellow cards to England players, but I didn't think there was that much in it that deserved yellows. They were just imposing themselves on the game. Um and we weren't. Cooper, what did you make of it? Yeah, they just um they seemed like Tom said, more up for it
1: physically. I think England, they were, you know, it's a World Cup semi final. I don't think you can necessarily go out there and expect the, you know, England playing this this three-back, five-back, whatever you want to call it, they don't do experienced defenders like Millie Bright back there aren't going to go at a Sam Kerr who's, you know, starting one of her first games for the tournament, hasn't played that many minutes of football, and she's probably the best player on the pitch. They were always going to go at her. Um, I think that was probably a few times that two or three knocks on Sam Kerr that were fouls and weren't given, given early. Um, but that's just, we saw in the final and we'll get to that, but that's just how Tori Penso refereed this entire competition. And, you know, it almost backfired against England the, when she refereed in that, that function in the final. Um, but I think they just needed to move past it and get on with it and go, you know, if she's not going to give these fouls, then we need to get up for this physically and match them. And the
2: tillies just never did. But we are a physically small side going forward. I mean, Sam Kerr is uh, powerful in the way that she moves and she does have athletic ability. But then you look into midfield and you've got the the minute uh, uh, Kyra Cooney cross and literally mini Katrina Gory, Haley Razzo, who loves a fight, don't get me wrong, but again, was out muscled many a time uh, trying to run in behind. Uh, and then, you know, you've got Caitlin Ford that was isolated and this – plays back into Tony G's tactics where he hasn't figured out a way to incorporate Sam Kerr, Caelan Ford and then the rest of the team together. And it, it just, it read so poorly throughout. We just lost every challenge I thought. And that, I think that's what costs us the most.
1: Yeah. I just, I think personally the way that, you know, England sort of play this, this five, three, two setup that we're seeing more and more of, or three, five, two, whatever you want to call it. Um, and a four four two is just the last way to unlock a team that are playing like this. They've got three at the back and you're playing, you know, two strikers together, and so they're outnumbered. And then you'd think, okay, but we've got four across the midfield. But then when England attack, you know, they have a line of four across the midfield too. Mm, there was just yeah, exactly. no – and there was never a tactical change made or thought about the formation. And I just thought there was, you know, 4 from the Tillies just played way too strongly into England's hands.
2: Yeah. Well, just while we're on this, Sammy, the, uh, there was really good quotes um, side by side, Tony G and um, uh, shit. I've forgotten her name now. The English Sur- manager.
1: Serena Weidman.
2: Serena, that's it. Um, this was Tony G. The Matilda's coach, the logical constraints of international football supersede the basis of co- uh, compatibility. And he says in quotes, there's a lot of advantages with three-five-two. The thing that we need to consider with international teams that we have very limited time to train. I'd say with the three-five-two, even if it was better tactical for some players, the key question for me would be: Do we have time to implement all the nuances and then have them feel comfortable playing it? And you contrast this with after England's couple of poor performances uh, early in the in the piece, they held a meeting, uh, Serena and the backroom staff, and they suggested pretty much the first few matches we were struggling a bit. We had moments where we played really well, but we also had moments when we were a little vulnerable. After the second match, Ian uh, came to me and said, Serena, let's sit down. Isn't this the time to go 3-5-2? And I said, you're completely right. This is the right setting. And what we've lost with our management and the style of play, the safe mode that we did employ, was the ability to get at other teams, I think, especially the good nations later in the tournament.
0: Uh, yeah. What, can you just... Can I get a too-long-didn't-read on that? <laughs> Qu- what are you trying to say there, sorry? Oh, that Tony G was too safe and that okay, the yes, no. No. I Yeah, realised, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with that. Um, we've been pretty critical of his tactics throughout. Um, we got over the line. There that big win against Canada and then um, what was after Canada? Denmark. Denmark. The Canada and um, Denmark wins in particular um, – you know, we play, we looked better against those teams. Was it necessarily down to tactics or did our better players just shine through and were able to mm. get it done? Uh, that to me definitely feels the case. I still think tactically, completely outdone, Tony. Um,
2: it I felt like go... that
0: with the Socceroos, too. It, it was did. very vibe based, some of the results. Yeah. Um, it's very like, you know, again, going back to all that Battler stuff and they tried hard and all that stuff. Oh, the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does my head in a bit, but I don't want to trust them too hard. Like top four at a World Cup, I think is really good. I know the knives are have been out a bit this week, given the result, and the um, people have quickly turned to the oh, "Why are they getting so much praise for losing a home World Cup?" Like, come on, you know this is this is a world game that Australia, which we'll get to soon, does not fund a whole lot of money into. them mm, compared compared to most of these other countries i will actually we weren't i wasn't going to talk about this actually but i know people love getting fired up about statues for thing like they don't deserve it or like no one ever deserves a statue in anyone's eyes it's so annoying but is it not okay to can we not look at this idea of a matilda statue as it's not really celebrating their achievements in this world cup as, as it is commemorating a moment in mm. history and a moment in time for the game in this country, like hosting a world tournament like that, that the entire planet was watching, here and for us to reach the semifinals in it, I feel like it's that's a big deal. At the first of hopefully more world cups to come in future years,
2: yeah, uh, that's that's where I sit on it too. It's it's not about success per se, you know, like winning a trophy or you know absolutely dominating uh, a competition or whatever. It is the fact that you united. Uh, 11 million Australians to watch the same thing at the same time. And everybody was fucking rooting for the same result. And that's just something that you don't get or something I've never seen. I've never seen that in Australia. I've never seen, you know, you look at it, political parties, they get fucking 25% of the vote in the, their government and you've got six in 10 people supporting the Matildas.
0: I think that is statue worthy because it is, it's commemorating the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if either of you have any comments you want to make on the third-place playoff, the loss to Sweden in the end. I think um, for me, I, I've i never watched a third-place playoff in any tournament, so um, <laughs> I wasn't tuning into this one. I was out anyway. I was pretty busy, so <laughs> I wasn't going to make the time to watch a third-place playoff. It just feels so hollow, and I mean that with full respect to the two teams involved, but it's just not going to catch my eye when there's a yeah. World Cup final the next day. Either of you two? Yeah. Did you watch it, Cooper? Because I forgot that it was on.
1: No, I was in <laughs> Murray Bridge for soccer and they wouldn't put it on the TV at the pub.
2: So <laughs> no one watched yeah.
0: it. Oh, that's great. There you go. We lost, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. Third place playoff to another good side. Um, and I feel like again, no disrespect to the Matildas, but when you watched um England, Sweden, and then um Spain, who we were about to talk about winning it, um, they do look a little bit like different gravy to what we have. It's another level. Yeah. It's another level. And I think it's good to see that and know that we can reach those points to play against them, but we've got much work to do going forward. If we want to, if we want to continue to compete in these, because I think the European countries are only going to progress even more um, because they invest the money. They've got the big leagues all set up now, all of them um, trying to really emulate what happens in the men's game over there. So that's what we're up against. Um, But Tommy, the game of the, your game of the week. Uh, we started up our games of the week again last week. Put up an article on the website, and your pick was the World, women's World Cup final, Spain versus England. What did you make of it? Oh, wholly satisfied by the end of it. It was it's a
2: really tough call. Who are you going to support, the imperialist scabs or the imperialist <laughs> bastards? And I choose which, yeah. I ended, yeah, exactly. Who are you going to pick for one? I sat on the the Spanish side, uh, okay, and I'm gladly, gladly jubilant that they, you know, came out and absolutely rolled the lionesses. They were just utterly dominant.
0: I just, I thought mm. they were better in absolutely every department. They were. I, oh, I think they were. Cooper, your take as a as a faux Englishman,
2: <laughs> somewhat of a pom,
0: and uh, yeah, completely agree. Um, I thought
1: to take nothing away from the Spanish players, Mary Earps was probably the best player on the pitch, then followed, by 11, oh. then followed by 11 Spanish players. She was the sole reason that the Lionesses didn't probably lose this game three or four nil. You still um, had to throw that in then, there. And then yeah. 11, 11 Spanish players behind her, or you go, whatever, 11 Spanish players in front of her, Mary Earps, Daylight, and then the other 10 Lionesses. They just weren't <laughs> up for this whatsoever and... They were lucky that this didn't
0: get a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. Typically, uh, typically final esque, the scoreline on paper when you look at it, the 1 0. Um, and there were patches in that second half that really felt like when I mean, you're watching a tournament where two teams play in a country, um, that is like, you know, neither of them are the host country. Uh, the crowd's not always that into it because the game can be a little bit cagey at times. Um, And then all of a sudden, uh, like in the second half, it lit up. Spain already up 1-0. We have a, what I would say is a completely farcical and ridiculously lengthy delay of VAR to give this penalty. Oh, for
2: the pen. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. Like how long is too long when you make the correct decision? Why
0: did it take that long though? What were they waiting for? What was being looked at? No, just felt Uh, like uh, they
1: were scared to give it, weren't they? That's a little bit uh, part of me. It got when it got to like five or six minutes, I started seriously thinking they're not going to give this, like, and it was just so blatantly obvious. And I just thought they're going to come up with some ridiculous way out of giving a penalty in the World Cup final because a World Cup final is better without a penalty than win with one. Mm, I'd, I'd rather just, but they got it right.
0: They just needed to back themselves. Like it was what I, what I find really strange is the way we had that such a lengthy delay to make sure they got it right, and they got it right, but then got it wrong when the penalty was saved by a keeper who wasn't on the line. And we've uh-huh. heard so much; they've been so strict on this. And we saw the the referee that the Matildas had in the, um, the French the shootout against France and other games that that referee did that tournament it was constantly barking at goalkeepers about being on their line, even when they already were on their line. And then in this game we just see the penalty saved, carry on, there's no check and off we go. It's uh it's I've, interesting. I read, yeah, I read that her foot was we're you gonna yeah, say this.
1: So yeah. they FIFA have since doubled down on this. Um Saying that the correct decision was made, apparently did they not? With yeah, well, apparently, Dermot Gallagher's there. So, <laughs> in the there's always one Dermy swipe in this podcast. It's the yeah. the longest oh, running Dermot. football podcast in Australia and the longest running streak of Dermot Gallagher swipes in the world. Um, yep, deserved. But, <laughs> but supposedly in the VAR box they have obviously the technology in the ball where you get the the vibration and alert where first contact is and where first foot contact is made on the ball. Mary Up supposedly still has part of her back heel on the line. Interesting.
0: Um, yeah, okay. I don't know
1: if I don't know if this is just them going, let's just kill it or whether it actually is or not.
2: But Yeah. I, I also read that one of like her foot was above the line and so that still counts. It doesn't have to be technically on the line it wow. can be like within the range of it
0: oh well all is well that ends uh somewhat well i guess um but i think in fairness the best team on the night won that game of football and spain were pretty good throughout the tournament uh the japan game aside so right. congratulations. just just wanted to mention bon marty as well who ended up getting the um, the golden ball for the tournament she was unbelievable in this game yep um there's some creep stuff going on with Spain. I don't really want to go into it or talk about it. It's, we'll leave it for all the others to do. But oh, it was pretty cooker, wasn't it? It's pretty cooker. We'll step aside. Um. Anyway, before we move on to some other stuff, Tommy, I believe you wanted to – there's been a lot going on regarding football funding since this World Cup started and a lot of chat about it. A lot of people fired up about it. The Polly's saying their piece and – Uh, Perhaps trying to just sway votes and things like that. Um, How sincere is it all? What's going on? It's very opportunistic um, to have pretty much every state
2: premier out and about with the Matilda scarf on, razzing up the team, saying they're behind them and involved. And then you get the inevitable funding announcement that comes after it, of course, because it's the politically expedient thing to do. Um, But when you scratch beneath the surface... A lot of this funding isn't actually for the Matildas, nor is it for women's football or football in general, which is you know the entire reason you're announcing this fucking thing. All of a sudden, you've got the Queensland government, for example, announcing a $38 million boost, which was already $20 million. They've added an extra 18 on top, and they're saying it's a new 38. That's just what they do. But then you look into the detail, and at the end of the day... A Perry Park 150 grand upgrade for pitch and side facilities um is pretty much the most the football got out of this. Because somehow Suncorp has seen five million dollars go towards it. Yeah. No, no one plays at Suncorp in the A-League or the W League anymore. Maybe right. occasionally Brisbane, but you know, that's yeah. very rare. You pass that down. The most egregious thing I saw that <laughs> they said the this is a game changer for women's sport. This is Anastasia. Power Chuck <laughs> as Ballymore provides a major boost to women's rectangular sport, rectangular sport, yep, in Brisbane and the home of the Wallaroos, which is not the Matilda's, funnily enough. Not that's that is not diff- their name, that's not their name, so they may not be getting this. Uh, uh, they <laughs> the investment is going into the Rugby Training Center of ex- uh, Excellence,
0: brilliant, go the Matildas. The Queensland
2: Reds will also find some funding ah, as well. brilliant. So it's all worked Bizarre. out well then. Vince Rugari said it best. When other sports ask for money, the government gives it to them. When football asks for money, they give it to other sports.
0: <laughs> yeah. We have seen this everywhere. Time and again. Um they've just hid behind headlines. Really? Pretty much. Um, and classically, uh, the... All the media are able to just tow the line and go along with that and push it along because they're on the same side. They want they they only care about their NRL and their AFL because that that's what gets the most clicks and likes. But yeah, brilliant opportunity to spread this game a bit more and uh, make it really accessible for young people. Um, we've spoken about it before. It should not cost people a thousand dollars or more to play. Thank you. A sport like that in this country like yeah you know unless they're buying all this equipment they're not there's just they just need a ball out there some goals all right yep. some shin pads and a boot that's it just one put on a shirt done all right ridiculous um we'll leave it there but yeah definitely congrats rugby league on the success of the <laughs> matildas i guess um let's go across to europe now um fantasy football we're on to this killing it yeah well the two-league thing, I've sorted it out, okay? <laughs> so one league now says NSF Fantasy League, old. Huh. But on the new one, Redundant. Our, boy, our boy Todd, who's been leading, he won last season, he was the leading score last week, had a stinker and he's dropped down to seventeenth. That would be the lowest Todd's flogs have ever been. Um, we have a new leader, Josh Osborne. His team, just a, a basic fantasy city, they're called. Um, 144 no points. No frills. 144 points leads the way from Mo's uh, Goa Mo's. What a team name. Mo Walker. Well done. Do it. Do it Cooper. There you go. (laughs) Cooper hates it. He doesn't like hot dogs for some reason. I don't know why. Um, Considering his diet. I can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Premier League football. Let's go. Um, Forest beats Sheffield 2-1. That's uh, alarm bells from all of us. None of us are going to watch that. I don't think. Um, Was that the, was this a Saturday morning game? Yes. Brian out there. Yeah. Who's getting up at 4.30? We went over this last week with Burnley. No one's doing it for Forest and Sheffield either. Um, no. Fulham and Brentford, 3-0 on the Saturday night. And Cooper, your game of the round. Uh, wasn't your game of the round, sorry, but um, your team playing in this one, Liverpool 3, Bournemouth 1.
1: Yeah. Um, good result, I I guess. Somewhat in the end. Nice to win a game. I said, that's it. Yeah. Um, I said last week when I can't remember if I said it on the pod or whether it was just discussing with Tom after watching Liverpool and Chelsea play that they both seem like sides that would ship a lot of goals to teams that they shouldn't this season. And uh, they both went and conceded inside the first 10 minutes to Mm. teams that they probably shouldn't. Bournemouth had the ball in the net inside 90 seconds and it was disallowed by VAR for offside by an absolute hair. And I thought, oh, there's a warning sign. Jeez, we got away with one there. And then 60 seconds later, we were actually 1-0 down. Yeah, cop that. <laughs> it's it's going to be another one of these years, isn't it? Um,
2: but I mean, no, it didn't have
1: to be. It didn't, no. Um, and nice for, I mean, Diaz, Salah, Jota all got a goal at the front three. Diaz has been excellent in the opening two years. He looks really, really exciting. Hopefully, we had a nice fit season out of Luis Diaz, and Mohamed Salah just continues to look like Mohamed Salah.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Diaz Diaz looks like a 20 goal a season player at the moment. He is on fucking fire.
1: I might just, uh, I don't know if either of you have anything on this game, but if I can, Sammy,
0: I might just use my therapy card. Oh, I'll play the chimes. Here come the chimes. And, uh, Let's go. Lay down on the couch. Let it out. What do you need? What do you need what do you need to let out? Let it go. I just I wanna discuss this Alexis
1: McAllister red card. Oh, I knew it. And I just wanna ask what the actual fuck else he is supposed to do in this situation. Mm -hmm. Is he is he just supposed to not play the ball? Leave the ball? Is it high? No. Is it reckless? No. Does he have every right to play the ball? Yes. I just, I cannot fathom how this, this referee was so gunshot quick on this red card too. It was out of his back pocket within a second. And I sort of, you know, it's was one of those moving at high speed, 50-50 ball incidents and he pulled it straight away. And I thought, shit, maybe. And then I saw the just look of like utter shock on Alexis McAllister's face. Like it was genuinely one of those, you know when you, you make a challenge in football and you think, oh, I'm getting booked for that, or you know, oh, shit, I'm on the on the tightrope there. He looked like he genuinely didn't even think he was going to be booked for it. And he, ter- he heard a whistle turned around and there was a red card in his face and he just had no idea. And I, I saw it on replay for the first time and I thought, I don't know why I let myself feel this way, but I thought oh, it's all right, he'll get called over to the monitor, he'll go and have a look, he'll go, shit, I'm a bit of a fuckwit, and he'll come back and take the red card away, but, but no, nothing. And if this doesn't get, obviously, we've heard nothing of it, so if it doesn't get, if Liverpool don't you know, challenge this or take this to review and it stands, he's going to miss three games because of this tackle. And it just seems ridiculous that we're punishing players so hard for things like this.
2: In truth oh, wow. therapy fashion, though, how does this make you feel about your mother?
0: Mm. shit (laughs) Shit (laughs) house wow cooper went for about nearly a minute there he just went and went and went he obviously really needed to get that out um i hope you feel glad for it Um, it's a safe space it won't it will not get overturned why would it McAllister is (laughs) gonna get a few games and uh that's something that we're just gonna have to cope with going forward i guess man so uh Thanks for sharing and I hope you feel better. That'll be eight hundred dollars, please.
2: <laughs> it's not a red card though, is it?
0: Like it's not. We've we've rallied against this kind of thing. He's it's dangling just... a side foot there. He's trying to side foot the ball. Like it's not there's nothing malicious or reckless in it at all. It's it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's it. It's a genuine we'll, attempt. We'll keep going. Uh Tommy, Brighton beat Wolves four one. Brighton have eight goals in two games, and they're they freaking looking did. fiery, aren't they? They look like the best team in the Premier League because <clears throat> City
2: have gone about their work at the moment, very consummate, professional. Brian are like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to show them how to play football. And they've dismantled, you know, maybe they're not good sides. You could probably fall back on that. We'll see how they go against, you know, a top six side. But they've done the job and they've done it more convincingly than any other Premier League team I've seen so far. Mm. They've got the individual talent. of just... It, it's crazy. Matoma is just an unbelievable footballer. How have they unearthed this gem for such little money to get the output that which he is performing? I love to watch him play.
1: When he um when Karo Matoma retires, this could sound random as to the two of you. I don't know if you're aware of this. Um but he's a health and human movement PhD student, Karo Matoma, and as his final piece of his PhD, he did Ooh. a
0: massive study on Ooh. how to Cool. Oh I'm putting up the recycle the cycle here. Yeah, we've, I think we've I've done discussed this, this before.
1: Uh, yeah, the massive study on driving <laughs> at players and attacking dribbling. dribbling at defenders. What I do want to what I was going to say here is after, you know, we talked about this came out sort of 14 18 months ago whatever it was. We've now watched him in the prem for a season and a half and I seriously hope that when this dude's time is up we get to see this piece in a book or something because it would just be a phenomenal read I reckon. <laughs> Yeah. This is the uh, the, the Anthony
0: Golic of stories right now. <laughs> Huge. Um, I'm an, I'm just going to keep it moving. But um, Spurs played Man United the next night, um, or sorry, that morning. Tommy, you had an eye over this. Ange's first home game for Spurs. Ange has done to Spurs in two games
2: what Manchester think Ten Hag has done to them in two years, mm. and is just beautiful to watch. It's poetry that his first win is against this bang average, overrated, overspent, overhyped Manchester United side.
0: Well, on this Man United side, I would like to pose the question to both of you. Uh, who is the most punchable bloke in the Premier League? Uh, now, yeah. in my intro, I said it was it's Bruno Fernandes, and I don't see how either of you could make an argument that it isn't. Do you agree, Coop? Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, I think two of the we sort of had a just a random discussion in a group chat late Sunday night about the top five most punchable heads, and Sam said that he thought that Everton <laughs> had three of the top five, and I agree. Um, He's not wrong, and I also think that Man United have the other two because if I wasn't
2: going to punch the shit out of Bruno Fernandez, it'll be Anthony. It'd be Anthony. Yeah. That, I think that's where
0: my my yeah, that's where I mean, my eggs lie. We. We don't want to, I'm not an advocate for violence or uh, anyone going out and assaulting anyone, but I think everyone, listeners uh, listeners as well, in their workplace, everywhere, you do get that feeling. You know, some people just give you that feeling. You just want to slug them. And uh, Tommy, why did Bruno give you that feeling this weekend? Oh, for me? I mean, when does he not? But this particular weekend,
2: my days, for him to post-game, Sit in a change room for three days waiting for an apology. I mean, that is punchable areas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he went on a bit, um, about the, I guess, the flak the referees copped last week. Uh, when I don't know why he's worried about Wolves not getting a decision in against them, it doesn't affect United, they won the game. Um, but he's just is a lot of what aboutism from Bruno there. Um, oh, yeah, it's he a false had- equivalence. He had an absolutely brilliant chance. So did Rashford in the first half to put them up. United could have had him on toast. They played much better than they did uh, the week before against Wolves and have lost. Mm. Uh, they played terribly against Wolves and won. So if I was Bruno, I'd shut up and not get my face punched. Exactly. Do you want to get? No,
2: <laughs> not at all. He um That Rabona, uh, a potential assist to Rashford, would have been one of the craziest goals we've yeah. seen this season. He but may Rashford- have been offside.
0: But he was a donkey and he missed it. And he missed it. But yeah. the
2: Bruno miss was just, that's horrendous.
0: horrendous. Like yeah, that's crimes horrendous. against football. And then you want to sit there and complain about the media and referees and things like that. Like just just grow up, Bruno. I've had enough of you. Um, anything else Anything else on that game on Ange or Spurs or United? I would like to play my therapy card, please. Oh. Play the chimes.
2: Lay down. Let it out. Here we go. Ah. <sighs> And, of course, the first one is always going to be about these scumbag Reds. Look, there's been a lot of chat about a certain vacancy up front, which may be filled by an alleged or a dropped rapist. Like, let's not go into the details so much. Yeah. My therapy session, I would just like to apologise to any of the Man United fans that I've wronged in the past um, because your club has made an excellent decision in saying that this guy should be allowed to play football for you anymore. And so slow cut until, until you read the press release that they put out, which basically just admonishes everything that he's done. And they've essentially said, if it wasn't for the woke mob online, you would be a Manchester United striker, but alas, yeah, our sponsors and the people that pay our wages have said, it's not a good idea. So unfortunately, son, you can't play for us.
0: Okay. And how does that make you feel about your mother? I just, I wanted to give her a kiss on the cheek. That's all. It was like that, wasn't it? Man United statement this morning. It really did read as a, uh, it's unfortunate that you're getting all this hate online, Mason. And because of that, uh, we don't want you to be a Man United player anymore. Not because you potentially allegedly may or may not have uh, can definitely hear it in the audio, (laughs) sexually assaulted someone. Um, it's not because of that. It's because of the the hype that that brings. And we're not sure mm. if we want that, whether you did it or not. Uh, pretty poor from United. At least they're getting rid of him. That's a start. But it's really sure. uh, trying to wash their hands of, um, I don't know, what just. Yeah. It's pathetic. It was weak. It really yeah. was weak um, at a time when they could have gone really strong. Um, Man City beat Newcastle 1-0. Cooper, this was your game of the week. Um, after Newcastle's thumping win at home to Villa in round one and Man City's demolition job of Burnley. What did you make of this? Yeah, it was a cracking tactical battle of football. And I'm not sure
1: that that's necessarily what I expected coming into it. I sort of, even after last season, had Newcastle down as a bit more of like that can't know. We just we spoke about that with the Tillies and how we hate saying it, but that fighting dog of a team that just like they don't necessarily play beautiful football. But this, I said it last week, this midfield is if Joel Linton and Bruno are going to run around like headless chooks and create this 30 yard barrier of space for Tenali and continue to go into a game against City and the two of them manage to against what is the best team in the world managed to still give Sandro Tanali this much room, they're going to be a good side. And they were excellent again, and they were unlucky. They had chances. They fluffed a few chances. Um, There's one moment in the second half that uh, Callum Wilson is going to want back where Rodri turned the ball over with a back pass and Newcastle were away three on one. And rather than playing a simple pass to his left or right, Mm. Wilson tried to body faint past Ruben Diaz and just got stood up like a mug. Um, and I think if he had that a 100 times over, he'd pass it a 100 times over. Oh, I doubt it.
0: 99, it seems <laughs> yeah. 99 times, maybe
1: not um, that he's one. A, he's a, he's a dirty goal scorer, my guy. But City have this. I said, you know, it's I, in my write up during the week, Foden through the middle looks excellent. Um, yeah, who needs KDB and he can do it all. He looks so good through the middle. Um, and if they're going to play Julián Álvarez up front with Erling Haaland and they can find a combination that works they're going to be even more untouchable than they already were mm. and I didn't think that was possible um Newcastle put so much effort and attention into Erling Haaland in this game and he had chances and he he probably could have scored but you know he didn't get his have his usual effect because of the attention that he got but Alvarez just ran rings in the open space or around the one defender that was allocated to him every single time. And it's going to show teams that if Alvarez is up there, you can't just bulk defend Erling Haaland because you have to defend Julian Alvarez as well. Yeah.
2: Um, I just, Great don't, point. I don't understand how you beat this team. In in hindsight, <clears throat> I wish I didn't captain Haaland again this week in FPL because it makes so much sense now that you would have like Botman and uh, Fabian Shah, just like all over him. And so it does open up. I, I thought watching the game, I thought Julian uh, Alvarez looked like a ready-made Mara's replacement, just the way that he drifts from central positions out wide and comes back inside. And he's totally just confounding the fullbacks and the DMs and, his his game particularly, outside of the goal, his game particularly, I thought, was the key to City winning this. Um, otherwise, I just, I watched this, and City were so comprehensive. They were The first half an hour, I don't think Newcastle laid a finger on them. And it, I got the impression, yeah, they created some chances, Newcastle, but end of the day, they had fuck all possession and one shot on target. And they, I got, I just, I thought that they were happy to lose 1-0 in the end which is a shame because they're one of the teams that should be trying to pressure this, this city side from running away with the league already. Um, but they're just, the quality's not there. And like you said, who who's going to beat them? And how do you beat them? I can't see it. Yeah, no,
1: I agree. Just on um, your comment about captaining Erling Haaland in fantasy there, um, there was obviously a clear tactic that Trippier and Botman were going to target Haaland. It was made early in the week. He's on our side. Let's put a heap of work into him. Do you see the... Um, the tweets going around people have gone on fantasy and found trippier and botman's actual fantasy teams and both of them have harland and both of them benched him going into this oh weekend. no way and i was like they that's do. cold these two blokes went you know what <laughs> we're gonna fuck this guy's life up so bad for 90 minutes on the weekend that we just don't even want him in our team
0: <laughs> that's so confident to do that as well i like that yeah big rate. Right? love that um Well, they can't do the other thing, can they? They can't have him as captain and then what if Haaland has a good game then all conspiracies. Um, People like Tommy be all over that. (laughs) It's Um, almost like he bet on himself to get booked. (laughs) Sunday night, Villa beat Everton 4-0. This was a bit of a calamity. I had an eye on this. uh, Everton atrociously bad. There was a real funny moment of commentary. I think it might have been at 3-0 where I think it was Jim Proudfoot on comms asked the, the special commentator, What's, you know, what's, what's gone wrong for Everton? What do they need to do? How What do you make of it from their perspective? And then an Everton player just thrown the ball into space for Villa to run onto and make it four. Um, they were atrocious. They never looked like they were in it. And Villa were a big bounce back by Villa after last week, getting getting kind of battered a bit by Newcastle. Um, but I think all of all three of us have a bit of faith in this Villa squad at the moment. And uh, Musa Diaby looks at players so... Uh, see how that goes. Watch and see. I'm excited about that squad. Uh, Tommy, you wanted to quickly talk about West Ham and Chelsea. I just,
2: there's so many facets to this game, which are really interesting to me. 3-1, by the way. 3-1
0: it was. West Ham
2: win um, 3-1. With 10 men as well, which I think is an interesting point. It was definitely, this was a a deserved second yellow. We'll get to an undeserved second yellow. This was deserved for sure. Um, But for Chelsea... Like, how how often are we going to just do this and say, oh, they spend a billion pounds. Why can't they get a football team together? And then you look at the lineup that they're putting out and you wonder, why did they spend all that money? Because three of them are kids. Two of them are aging players that they've had for, you know, a while now. And then Intercepted as a couple of academy products and an unknown, untried striker. The whole The whole thing is a shambles. And it's just so utterly amusing to me that we get to watch this play out again. Fucking all prayers up, they finish 12th, because that would be unreal. <laughs> Cooper, did you catch any of this one?
1: Yeah, I, I did watch this one. Um, They're just such a raw and unfinished side. Um, I saw a statistic floating around that it, I just thought it was crazy, Um, so I'm going to bring it up. But I don't think it's actually this guy's fault at all, because having watched Chelsea both times they've played this season, I think he's by miles their best player. Um but Enzo Fernandez has now played twenty Premier League games for mm. Chelsea for a return of three wins.
0: That's that is hot. a mad start. That's actually mad. Yeah. He you is great though. Like he is great. He's pretty good. He had a good game yeah. in this as well. Yeah.
2: But so, and- um no, the there was head- another stat. There was another stat as well that come out. What they've made this? more. They've made more signings under the Todd Burley era than they have got wins at the moment. So they've made 23 signings. They've got 11 wins since he took over. Beautiful, glorious. Look it, it, it to it my veins. Broken. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't
1: understand the system that's been made. I did. I saw a similar. I thought you're going to go down this path. But um, I saw a stat that was Chelsea have spent 952.8 million Great British Pounds since Todd Bowley took full ownership in May 2022. Since then, they've managed 11 wins, so equating to 86.6 million Great British Pounds spent per league win.
2: Uh, just but aside that- from this, what <laughs> makes the British Pound uh, great? It's not great. It's
0: a bullshit currency. No one uses it. <laughs> it's not great. It's just a British pound. It's not a great British pound. They're <laughs> different. Um. Yeah. I guess no disrespect there. Uh, we, well, we've probably done a disservice to West Ham there. But, we you know, yeah we Chelsea are the joke, but West Ham, good win by them. I'd say we'll just be keeping an eye on West Ham. Maybe in future what? weeks we can touch on them a bit. Okay. So you, yep, got got or no, you got something? No, I was going to say... Now?
2: No, well, I just I thought Ward Prowse. Um, it's a yeah, Moyes yeah. wet. It's a Moyes retro a wet dream, isn't it? Like finally yeah. a dead a dead ball specialist to compliment the towering footballers. But the thing that I thought watching him play, I was like, Sean Dyche must be like jacking off furiously watching this guy play and thinking, what could have been? My team needs this kind of guy,
0: and unfortunately, mm. no. No, nope, didn't get him. West Ham have got him, um, and he looked good. Uh, the final game of the round, Arsenal-Palace, uh, Arsenal winning 1-0 away at Selhurst. Um, either of you two see this? Not whatsoever. Okay. Um, well, I'll just say it was a, it's just nice to get three points in the first away game, I think. So at this stage mm. of the season, having six points in the bank, um, especially given the circumstances after a... You already alluded to this uh, red card before, Tommy, but Tommy Yasu's... Red card uh, for two yellows for two incredibly harsh yellows. One that I think is not even a foul. Um, yeah, grim.
2: Mm.
0: Do you want to lay down? Do you need? Do you need to talk about it? Look. I'll talk about the red card first because my therapy that I'm going to use soon is actually not to do with the well, it's to do with the red card, but not what you think, all right? So firstly, Tomiyasu comes over. Kai Havertz is taking a throw in. He stands there forever. Ref tells him to hurry up. Havertz puts the ball down. Tomiyasu runs over, picks it up, stands there for a second or two, gets booked for time-wasting. Uh, not really his fault. Uh, the second one, Jordan Ayou does his thing where he just turns around and falls on the ground and the referee has completely guessed... And given the foul, and because he's given the foul in that situation, he kind of has to give him a second yellow. Um, But you look again, and it's not really a foul. He's just gone to ground. But now I will use my therapy card. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to get comfy. I'm going to put my – rest my head on the pillow. On the casting couch, yes, please. I don't know who the guy on special comms this morning was with Peter Drury, but he said of Jordan Ayu. Very smart play. Uh, Jordan Ayu has used all his experience there to buy the foul and get the player sent off. Um, he's essentially saying good on him. He's done his job, done what he needs to do. He's applauding Jordan Ayu's football there as a, a diver, essentially. As a cheat. As a cheat. And this is, this is w- what triggers me because now how are we meant to ever believe that this stuff can be stamped out of the game? when it's so ingrained in football people's brains as a part of the game, all right? And I'm not just saying this because an Arsenal player got sent off. A little while later, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, Eddie Nketiah does a similar thing on the wing uh, where he cuts in front of the man and there's a little bit of contact. It probably is a foul. But the way the commentator describes it is Nketiah, uh, smart forward play. He throws himself to the floor. Yeah and he's applauding it. He is actually applauding the player while saying he throws himself yeah. to the floor to buy his team the foul. We just I don't understand why how a commentator can be on TV uh, to the world. This goes out kids all over the world watching this game and they're going to hear that and they they watch it enough already and they try to copy it. And now they're hearing commentators applauding players who do it. Um it's 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 just not cricket. It's not in the spirit of the game, is it? Um, i really hate it i really hate it and referees do get sucked into it and they fall for it and so i'm not going at the referee here for sending tommy asu off he's it was bad yeah he got it wrong he fucked up i'm more annoyed that we're just gonna praise players who go to ground like this to essentially buy the foul um if you draw contact legitimate contact and you get fouled that's completely different but drawing a tiny touch and then as the com said, throwing yourself to the floor is just not on for me. And uh Ugh. I don't know how that makes me feel about my mother, but fuck, <laughs> I'm really annoyed. I'm glad your mother probably stands
2: on her feet in a challenge is what I imagine. <laughs> don't go to ground, nah. She <laughs> wouldn't go to floor. <laughs> nah, nah, she would never. No, it, it, it harks back to the um the Liverpool penalty and um the way that I always butchered this guy's name. Shab- shab- uh, what's his name? Sabashlai. Sabashlai. The way... The way that he, okay, sure, he shifts it right. It's a nice little jink. I appreciate that. But the way that he throws both of his legs backwards in just the most theatrical movement that you can imagine, in which that no contact is even initiated, maybe a slight graze of the knee, but nothing of which that makes a player go to ground in the way that he did. But he does it and he wins the penalty. And it's another thing that is inevitably praised because it's it's a game-winning moment in a sense uh, we're never going to stand this out. You're right, Sammy, because it has become a function of of football. And look, I just on the Tommy Yasu thing, I just want to rewind it quick. The yellow card that he's given because of the time wasting, so to speak, given that we're now adding on 12, 13, 14 minutes of added time, if there is legitimate reason to. Yeah, Surely you're not booking people for time-wasting anymore because we're getting the minutes back. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
0: I get it. He's just giving it to the wrong player. Mm. He's the guy who's come and picked up the ball to take the throw in. What about the guy who stood there for 20 seconds and then just dropped the ball on the ground? You know? Well, that's it. That's what going does are we gonna, mean. Are we going to book every player now that who... You know, instigates a time-wasting incident of which yeah. we're going to get back anyway. No, it's, it not, does, gonna happen. it's not consistent. Because we're going to watch Burnley and probably Everton, now that they're managed by Dysh, do that thing where every time the ball goes out of play, it takes close to 30 seconds for it to come back in. You know? Yeah. Um, that's enough of the Premier League. All right. Um, I'm just going to do a bit of a speed run through the rest of Europe, if you guys don't mind, unless you have anything else to add.
2: No, I'm good. Please run me through. Let's go.
0: All right. I'll start in Scotland because Celtic were knocked out of the League Cup. Brendan Rodgers' oh. team, after winning the treble last year with Ange, knocked out of the League Cup by Kilmarnock, 1-0. Uh, Kilmarnock started the year with a victory over Rangers in round one and have now knocked Celtic out the Cup. So a great start for them. Um, so Kilmarnock for the title? Absolutely. Straight to Spain. Um Real Madrid won 3 1 away to El Marriott. The only reason I'm bringing it up, Jude Bellingham, he scored last week, which we mentioned. This week, two goals and an assist. He is oh. literally just doing what he wants in La Dude's Liga. World. And it, it is gorgeous to watch. He is just an absolute star. Um, Barcelona. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, Tommy. Barcelona playing in the Estadio Oli- Estadi Olympic something something. I've seen this. Uh, yeah. It's the, the Barcelona stadium that I believe was built for the 1992. Olympics mm-hmm. in Barcelona, ninety-two, I think. Yeah, sounds that makes right. Sense. No one Google it. Fuck um, it. The new camp is getting a one-point-three-billion-pound upgrade, which, as far as I can tell, only includes adding a roof and being called the Spotify New Camp. Mm, so, awesome. um, there you go. There's that. Uh, yeah, Bundesliga really well spent. Bundesliga oh, oh, was, on
2: the, on the game.
0: On. on the game, quickly though, Gundogan and Pedri they look unreal. And if you want to watch a good, absolutely a good yeah. football partnership, that's it. Um, they did that thing again, Barca, where they just keep dominating and having shots and don't score. Um, but then, you know, they eventually they break through. Eventually, um, they'll crack. Bundesliga got underway. Bayern smacked Werder Bremen to start off with a win. And my game of the week was RB uh, Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig. Uh, as predicted, it was pretty attacking. They went for goals. It finished three two to Leverkusen, which is not what I thought would happen, but. Um, a really good mix of attacking football mixed with some pretty ordinary defending in that one. But uh, if you like goals, Bundesliga is the place to go. If you like attacking football, go check that out. Dortmund had a boy win as well. How'd your boy Danny Olmo get on? Danny Olmo scored. He did. Scored there you goal. go. Yeah, back. he played okay. But um, Dortmund looked good. Uh, uh, sorry, Leverkusen looked good. shaka uh, Granit Xhaka is going to be a handy inclusion back in that league I think so yeah, he's a pretty cool. experienced head now and he can play people
2: yeah
0: people love to take the piss out he was a bit of a meme but he can play um mm-hmm. Buer Dortmund got a good win at home not a good win but they they got three points late Daniel Marlin goal getting them over the line over to Italy I know you will love this Tommy because um Milan got off to a win with goals to Christian Pulisic and Olivier Giroud. And it was a banger, too, Pulisic. Absolutely. It was. It was a ripper. Um, Juve got a big win to start. Napoli got a big win to start with your boy, Victor Ossiman, uh, on the score sheet for a double, I think, or just the one. I can't remember. It's in my notes here somewhere. Um, And Inter, another one of your boys, a 2 0 win for Inter and Lautaro Martinez with both goals. Cannot believe
2: th- nobody has come in for him.
0: I know. Unreal. Uh Inter are my pick to win Serie A this season, by the way. Mm. Uh, I didn't get a chance to write that anywhere before the season started. But nice. Inter am I picked to win it. Um, the last thing I'll leave you with, if you want to see any other highlights from any football this week, go and watch the highlights of Roma v. Salernitana. Salernitana, 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 uh, Cooper might be able to turn that into a shitty TikTok with copyrighted music again. Um, Antonio, copyright Antonio Candreva, who made a great career of himself in Syria at uh, Sampdoria for a long time, um, at Inter, back to Sampdoria, he is now at Tana At the, the age of 36, he is just... Proving that old myth about the Italian players and ageing, he scored a banger off both feet. Um, you know, nothing too out of this world, but I still think you should go check it out. Great goals from an, an ageing guy, just just strutting his stuff. He can't run and beat players anymore, so he just hits them from outside the box on his left foot, his right foot, does what he wants. And that's my uh, European rap. For as long as there are people that are older than me still scoring bangers in professional
2: football, I will support them because the, the list is dwindling.
0: Yeah, wild. Absolutely wild. Um, anything else you guys want to add, Cooper? Have you got anything? Cooper's sitting there with his mic muted. He's just shaking his head <laughs> at me. He's like, no, European yeah. football, no. Little, no. little boy's got to go to bed. He can't do the night shift. <laughs> anything Mark, else, Tommy? Mark. Nothing. I love it. He was about to say something. He was just like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, just cut him off. Fuck him. Nah. All right? Yeah, whatever. We'll wrap it there. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, Get around us on the socials. Share the pod with your mates. Go onto Spotify. Give us one of those five-star review things. Do it. I dare you. Have a good week, folks. Yeah, please do it. (laughs) Please. Please. Please, sir, give us a rating.
2: We need it so badly. The the
1: amount of times in the last week that someone has, like, asked me or Sam a question in a group chat and our response has just been, tell me you don't listen to the podcast without
2: telling me you don't (laughs) listen to the podcast we don't have you, to make conversation anymore just listen to it I gotta
1: like, let people, them know. Pe- people just go like oh these two guys are on a football podcast they'll have an opinion about this not these two guys are on a football podcast i wonder if they spoke about it on the <laughs> podcast
0: mm. well this is going to be damaging for you when you realize i'm still recording this and i'm going to send it <laughs> okay. out there i'll put it out there do it yeah. all right good see ya